My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. We thank you for joining us here at Faith 168. My name is Christian, and uh, the other host, his name is, what's your name again? It's Rob. Okay, yeah, Rob. I knew that. Uh, But we're so glad to have you with us today. We're continuing on in the book of James. Uh, We're in James chapter 1, starting with verse 6 through 8 today. Uh, So if you have a Bible, maybe you're sitting down, you can turn there. If you're listening in your car, going to work or something, please don't open up your Bible while driving. We want you to keep your eyes on the road. But thank you so much for being with us today. Last we left off uh, in the book of James, we were talking about endurance during the trials that we face uh, and patience and spiritual maturity uh, and and. When we take in all of these different things that James is talking about, we come to the conclusion that we have endurance and we have wisdom and we have uh, maturity in these trials because we know that God will provide. That when we compare our trials, the size of our trials to the size of our God, the trials are microscopic. They're That's small right. and weak compared to the might of God. Right. And so we continue on in this pattern, uh, in this idea of going into these trials and how we are to keep faith during these trials uh, and, and to build up this endurance and this this spiritual Uh, and faithful strength uh, to continue on in this lost and dying world. But before we go into the scripture today, let's go ahead and let's meet the Lord in prayer as we continue on in the book of James. So just go ahead and and bow with me. Again, if you are driving, don't bow with me. Keep your eyes on the road. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes to pray. But, But let's lift up our prayers to the living God today. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here. I thank you for each listener that is listening today. I thank you for my brother, Rob, uh, who I get to serve alongside with through this podcast and bring glory to your name. I just pray today that as we go into your word, that you open it up in a new way for us, that you help us to see your truth in it, and that you help us to apply your truth to our lives so that we can go out and put our faith to action for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's just read verse 6 through 8. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And James writes, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable 
in all of his ways. And if you thought what we were reading was tough so far, now this is starting to step on some toes. Absolutely. But we get to this point. Now I have endurance and patience in these trials because though I am weak, God is strong and will completely provide for me. We have this strength in God because we have no doubt. Now, doubt is the opposite of faith. In a trust fall, I did this experiment actually several years ago where I would go through this this place uh, where we were having a bunch of youth come together and do all of these projects throughout the town. And, and it was a great outreach for the gospel of Christ. But I wanted to do this test. I don't know why I was doing it. I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. If you've ever seen me, uh, I, I have a few pounds on me. Uh, and I was walking around uh, and just just falling over to see who would catch me. And uh, really, no one could catch me. I'd just run over and I'd drop and I, I would I would uh, hit the ground and people would laugh. And I was like, why didn't you catch me? I trusted you. I trusted you. And there was actually one guy, a, a great spiritual leader, a great spiritual mentor of mine, when I played the prank on him and did this trust fall. Uh, I fell over and he actually did everything he could to save me, to keep me from hitting the ground to the point of where he almost hurt himself. Uh, and I felt bad about that. So I stopped playing that prank. But a trust fall, uh, a trust fall, uh, if I look back or try to catch myself, what I'm doing is I'm doubting the ability of the one who has said they will catch me and save me from crashing to the floor. So not understanding the fullness of the promises of God is not doubt. Let me repeat that. Not understanding the fullness of the promises of God is not doubt. We often misunderstand that. But taking matters into your own hands because God is not working on your time or in the way that you expected him to work, that is doubt. James writes, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. How can you expect God to provide for you when you don't believe he will provide? Because the basis of God's provisions is based on what? It's based on faith. And without the faith aspect, without expecting and knowing that God will provide, there is no provision there. But Matthew chapter 5, 11 through 12, uh, Jesus says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. And also in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through, 4, uh, 12 through 13, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with uh, exceeding joy. And one trial we do experience often in the persecution of the world, 
this is not to say that we in the United States have it bad, but the global church overall, the the body of believers overall, that that covers the the whole world, uh, it has faced a lot of persecution, uh, and we, the church in America, have had it the best for probably the past couple hundred of, uh, years. But the church overall is being persecuted abroad. And in some senses, it's being persecuted here at home as well. Uh, and we in the United States, we might not face a physical persecution, but there's certainly this culture shift that we have seen where Christianity is becoming increasingly unpopular uh, in the United States. Uh, and, and I think that has a lot to do with the aspect of, of doubting. And we go through these trials um, and, and we doubt uh, that God is there or that God is going to provide. But again, as I've said before uh, on an earlier episode, that that uh, faith is not the absence of trial, but it's the presence of God during the trial. But let's look at a couple statistics here. According to the latest Pew Research study, uh, church attendance is down by over 7%. Only 49% of millennials identify as Christians. The number of Americans who classify themselves as religious nuns has grown by 30 million in the past decade. And only 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians, down 12% over the past decade. This is, these are st statistics concerning the American church. But uh, in this, I've, I've personally, I've been called a bigot by family. I've been called a bigot by some old friends. I've even been called some of the craziest things by random strangers. In fact, um, as we made a paid advertisement on our, our Facebook page to get this podcast going, let me tell you, me and Rob mm. have uh, made a lot of interesting oh. characters and have heard a lot of colorful speech <laughs> yeah. towards a, a Christian uh, outlook being presented and being, being um, uh, having a sponsored paid ad uh, put on Facebook for that. Uh, so we, we've experienced some persecution uh, in, the, in our ministry, not necessarily physical, but a lot more on a societal level. Uh, means by societal means so now the family and friends i can understand that because they've seen me at my best and they've seen me at my worst yeah. so i can see how they could probably think i'm a bigot in some areas because they'll remember the worst more than they'll remember the best but to be labeled and judged as a judgmental bigot by random strangers because of my faith is something i didn't really experience 10 years ago so not only has christianity seen a decline in the United States, it has seen an increase of hostility from non-believers. And a major example of this uh, in the spotlight of the world uh, is actually a celebrity named Chris Pratt. Uh, we, we know him from many different movies and many uh, TV shows and, and things like that. But he's a movie star who has been outspoken about his faith. Yet at every turn, he's been persecuted for the smallest things with the root of the problem being that he is considered a conservative Christian uh, by the public. First and foremost, we must separate politics here. That is very important. Um, to, to be a, a, 
a Christian is not necessarily to be a conservative Republican because faith transcends worldly politics. And Chris Pratt has actually never shared his political views overall when we when we look at who he said he's going to vote for or anything like that. He hasn't really done that. But how long until we see this persecution come to the average citizen? Or, or have we already seen this starting? Either way, uh, persecute me all you want. My joy is in Christ, and I will count it all joy to suffer for his name's sake. So as we, we take this passage together, what we see is, is that we don't need to be carried away by the world. Uh, we don't need to get discouraged because of the world, but continue to seek God, having no doubt, understanding that we are going to go through trials. And we don't necessarily need to ask God, remove the trial from my life, but we ask God to help us make it through the trials in our life. So uh, what do you have to say about that passage, brother? Yeah, Rob? absolutely. So, so the first thing I want to do is I want to pull up a few different uh, scripture passages to uh, to go along with this. The first one I want to pull up is First uh, John chapter five verses fourteen through fifteen. Uh, this is John's epistle, uh, and um, this is what he has to say. Uh, this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If uh, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. So that gives us confidence, and um, and faith and confidence are, are not necessarily uh, synonymous. Uh, but in the Christian faith, when we have faith, we have confidence in Christ. We we trust Him uh, in all things, and so if we ask according to His will in faith, we will receive what we ask. Now, James goes on and talks about those who ask without faith. Now, this is what Hebrews 11 verse 6 has to say about faith. Now, without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God, since the, uh, the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so, in, if we're going to receive God's blessing, we have to do so through faith. Now, ultimately, the biggest trial that we have to, to overcome is not an external trial and tribulation as we're talking about here. It's what we're going to talk about uh, in a few episodes when we look at the, the inward struggle, and, and that is the, uh, the sin that besets us, and, and that sin separates us from God. Uh, and ultimately, in order to overcome that sin, what does it take? How are we saved? We're saved by God's grace, but through what? through the conduit of faith. Faith is what leads us to the grace of God. And so if we're going to receive the ultimate gift from God by faith, then why would we de deviate from faith for everything else that we need and would desire? In fact, that um, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 7, which I believe is part of uh, James's um, uh, reference for writing what he's, uh, what he's writing here, uh, says in verses six through seven, a voice uh, was saying, cry out. And another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass and it is, uh, it, and all its goodness is like flower in the, of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. And so what we see here is that 
not only are people fading and, and fleeting and tossed around and and, and uh, as with the wind, uh, but so uh, so is the best that we have to offer. the The goodness of humanity is useless. It, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's to- tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves. So how do we stand up? How do we stand firm? How do we walk in victory? The only way that I, that is possible is through faith in Jesus. And so we want to um, we want to be spiritually rich, and that's something we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. Uh, however, if we do not have faith then we are spiritually bankrupt. And um, something I, I want to add here, and this is something we'll talk about uh, in uh, in a, a few uh, a few more episodes, uh, but faith without works is dead is something that James is going to talk about later on in his epistle. Um, but here we see that if you ask something of God, uh, now who is who is doing the asking? Um, do you think um, non-believers are going to be asking God stuff over and over again and, and hoping for something to happen? I, I don't see that happening too often. And so I believe that James is talking to the believer here, that even if you trust and have faith in God enough to pray to him, but you don't have the faith that it takes to get what you re- to receive what you've asked, if you don't believe that God is going to do it for you, then you might as well not even ask. And that that seems harsh to us, uh, but it's because without faith, um, there is no pleasing God. That that we see right. that um, um, that that we're called to be faithful people like Abraham. What did Abraham do when God said, "Go from here to where I'm calling you to"? but didn't tell him where it was that he was going. What did Abraham do? He left. He took off and just followed God wherever he uh, had for him. When, when Abraham was too old and his wife was too old to have children, God said that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Um, Abraham believed and uh, it was counted to him as, as righteousness. Even after God had promised a son, he received the son and God told him to take him on the mountain and, and sacrifice him. Um, Abraham believed that even then God could raise his son from the dead. Uh, and so we see that faith, uh, is what is going to bring the blessing of God. And ultimately Abraham was blessed, um, in many, uh, many mighty ways. But if we're going to see, um, blessings, then, then we have to have faith and on unauthentic faith, um, is ultimately going to leave us spiritually bankrupt. I believe that it's possible even to be saved, yet have insufficient or unauthentic faith in the things that God can do in your life, and you'll live a defeated life even though you've already received the victory over death. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to do that. We want you to live 168 hours of every week in the victory of Jesus by living with authentic faith. Uh, And so now uh, we're going to go on and we're going to move to uh, verses nine through eleven. But before we do, I just want to make sure you don't have anything to add, brother Christian. No, okay. carry on, brother. Perfect. All right. So here we're starting in verse nine. Uh, let the brother, um, 
of humble circumstance boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like the flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, and its flowers fall off, and its beauty, uh, beautiful appearance uh, perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away uh, while uh, pursuing his activities. And so what we see here is the first thing is that the humble need to boast um, in their exaltation. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, the humble here, uh, in other translations, this, is, uh, this talks about uh, the poor. And so let the poor... Uh, 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 boast in his exaltation. What does that mean? Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the uh, uh, possession to the praise of his glory. So what does this mean? A poor person who has Jesus is not poor. You may be poor physically, but you're not poor spiritually because you have received the Holy Spirit of the living God. If you have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you, you have more wealth than the, the king who has the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. Your God is the God of heaven and earth. His streets are paved with goals. His walls have uh, jewels of, of uh, jasper and rubies. Uh, and, and those aren't necessarily um, physical attributes. They are spiritual indications that wealth is nothing to God, that he owns everything. Um, Our greatest treasure, gold and and jewels, are used as his building material. That's how wealthy he is. There's an old song uh, by Dolly Parton that that I used to, to love to listen to, and it's Cold of Many Colors. And uh, so Dolly Parton is, is, was very poor when she was, uh, when she was young and um, she was, her family was given this box of rags and her mom made her a coat. Um, The rags didn't match and they were multiple different patterns and different colors, uh, but her mom made her a coat out of this. So she went to school with a coat, with a coat for the first time. And she was so proud of that coat. Uh, And of course, as, as her mom sewed the coat together, she would tell the story about Joseph and and the coat of many colors that he had. And so she was so proud of this coat uh, because she felt wealthy. Um, But she didn't feel wealthy because this coat, she felt wealthy because the love in which her mom sewed this coat for her. She felt wealthy because she had something that that some of the kids didn't have. That was the love and the, the care of a parent who was sacrificing uh, for her child. In the same way, if you are a child of God, it doesn't matter what you have in this life. It doesn't matter what you have on this earth because everything on this earth is going to pass away anyways. You have a nice house uh, built a, of wood and mortar or, or brick uh, and stone. It doesn't matter. It's going to pass away. It, Everything you have in this life will be taken from you. The only thing that's not taken from you is your soul. And your soul is going to rest in one of two places. If your soul is going to rest with Jesus for all eternity, you're rich beyond measure. Uh, And so what it says here is for the poor or the humble to boast in their exaltation. What is the exaltation? 
of the poor, their exaltation is that they have Christ. So who are we to boast in? Can I boast in myself, Brother Christian? I hope not. <laughs> no way. I promise you there's nothing here to boast about. However, I can boast in Christ. But then it says, let Amen. the rich man boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like the flower of the field. So what is the humiliation of the rich? So this is talking about the, the natural wealthy or those that have a lot of money in their bank account. Their humiliation is that they cannot take that with them. Uh, and so they're not, once again, they're not boasting in themselves. The only wealth that they can truly take with them is the wealth of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Yep. And so their riches should be humbling them because they trust in Jesus and they should let those riches be used for the furthering of the kingdom of God. It goes on to say, for the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up uh, the grass, its flower falls off and its beauty appearance perishes. Once again, this goes back to Isaiah chapter 40. This is the idea that nothing on earth lasts. The only thing on earth that lasts is you, is your soul. And I hope uh, that is that it is uh, is trusting in Jesus Christ today because he is the only way uh, to the Father. He's the only means of, of salvation. I want to, uh, to bring about one cultural um, connection here uh, before I pass it over to, to Brother Christian and we close in a word of prayer. But, uh, but I, I want to, to bring this up um, because our world tries to teach us. Um, Satan, as the ruler of this world or the god of, of the ungodly, um, the, the, the ruler of this age, we see that, that he tries to fool, uh, fool people. He tries to twist uh, our, our minds, even twisting scripture uh, to to pervert our minds. And so what's going on in our culture today is this war between those that have and those that don't have. There, there's a war in our culture between those that, uh, that have a lot of money and those that don't have a lot of money. There's a, a war that is waged all over the world. It, it's in America, but it's all over the world, too. Based on what race you are, what color your skin is, uh, what pigmentation your, your skin has, as silly as that is, we're all part of one race, the human race, yet, yet we let this the silly thing of the pigmentation of our skin uh, determine whether somebody uh, is a person or not, or is uh, wealthy or not, or, or is uh, an oppressor or not. Yet God doesn't look at these things as something uh, to be held uh, clung to or, or held tightly to. You see, God looks within. He loves the poor and the rich. He loves the black and the white. He loves the slave and the free. He loves every person. He loves the Jew and the Greek. He loves every person. He died for every nation. Whether you're from Canada, whether you're from the United States or, or Russia or Ukraine or, or Japan or, or, or China or Iran, no matter where you're from, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. He died for you to save you from your sin. Yet we, we tend to cling to the social statuses or, or, or rally behind the, the color of our skins that ought not to be. And so what we need to do, if we're poor, we need to be exalted in the fact that we have the Holy Spirit of the living God and trust in Him. If we're rich, we need to be humbled by the, the generosity of God, and we need to give 
to the poor. We need to prov- provide for those um, who, who don't have, and we need to trust that it's not our riches that are going to get us to heaven. It, it is our faith in Jesus. The, uh, the church uh, a few hundred years ago started doing this thing where if you wanted to get to heaven, uh, you would pay money in order to receive a spot. Or if your loved one passed away and you weren't sure if they were saved, you could pay money to the church uh, and work their way into heaven. That's not biblical. That is not the God that we serve. The God that we serve says there's one way to heaven. That is through faith. And so if you're rich on earth, it's not because your money that you're going to get to heaven. It's because your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're poor on earth, it's not. It's not going to keep you from get to heaven, from getting to heaven if you have faith, brother Christian. Why don't you finish this out here? Yeah. Um, and continuing with the theme of, of facing trials, uh, we often separate this passage uh, sometimes uh, from what we've read yeah. earlier. Uh, but this is continuing on with with uh, the theme of facing trials. That's right. And, and what we see is during these trials, the rich and the poor are equal in the sight of God. And That's right. though trials uh, and and these trials can be used differently for each category, uh, the perspective that we have in these trials would be different. Uh, so someone that's poor in this world, uh, that's in poverty, uh, that's humbled in this world, uh, would view a trial a little bit differently than maybe the rich person that has a, a big bank account and nice house, a nice car would uh, see these trials. Uh, for the poor and the humble, they realize that their trials are temporary and their poverty is temporary and contained to this world. That's right. And they glory, they boast in their trials because of that. Uh, and the Greek word for boast in this passage is hupsos, uh, which means and is defined, uh, defined as elevation, altitude, the sky, or dignity, to be exalted or, or to be high up. So though the poor are lowly and, and humbled in the eyes of the world, they are elevated, they are exalted in the eyes of God as they experience these temporary trials. And for the rich who are exalted in the eyes of the world, they're humbled as they experience trials. For though the world separates the rich from poor, they are reminded that they are not separated in the eyes of God. So just as poverty is temporary, so are riches of this world. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers Uh, its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. This isn't to say that the poor are good and the rich are evil. Rather, James is pointing out the different perspectives of the rich and the poor when it comes to trials. Now, there can be a different thing to that. So, So the rich uh, that are rich in this world and also rich in the spirit because they have put their faith in Jesus. They're humbled in the fact that their riches still do not uh, compare to the riches that God has given them in the spirit to That's the right. salvation that God ha- has provided them through the sacrifice of his son on Calvary's cross. Uh, they're humbled in that, that they are brought low and they are equal 
to the poor of this world, that they are all one in Christ. But to be rich in this world and, and poor uh, in the spirit, I wouldn't want to be uh, in that that boat because it would be uh, what he says there. Uh, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. You can build up a kingdom in this world, but when this world goes, if you are not rich in the spirit, that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you will hear those horrible words. And you'll hear me say this quite often because I think it's important to hear. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And it's not something that Jesus wants to to tell anyone. I, I think the person it hurts most, the one it hurts the most to say those words and hear those words isn't even necessarily the person it's directed to, but Jesus who died on the cross to do everything he could to have a relationship with you mm -hmm. has to say those words because you denied him. Not he denied you, you denied him. And so uh, it's better to focus on the rich, uh, the riches of the spirit. Uh, put your faith in Christ and, and, and uh, gain eternal life, which is better than anything uh, that the world can offer. Uh, and so there's a couple verses I want to read in Job chapter 34, 19. Elihu proclaims God's justice to Job. Now, Elihu doesn't necessarily say a lot of great things, but he says something very true here uh, amid all of the other things that he's not really <laughs> great on saying. He says, yet he is not partial to princes, uh, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2, uh, we see the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, as Hannah is praying, she prays, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. To realize from the poor perspective that God sees you as equal to the rich is to be exalted and to be reminded as the rich that God sees you as equal to the poor is to be humbled. And so whatever category you find yourself in in the world, remember there's only one category with God, and that is to be a servant of him, to be a part of his kingdom. Uh, there's there's not a hierarchy there. There's, there's not a worldly system set in place, uh, but we all stand equal in the presence of God, no matter what this world labels you as. So thank you, Rob, for, for how you explain that too. I think you probably explained that a little bit better than me on that. And, uh, I'll give you, uh, I expect that $10 from you after you get done here for saying that. But, uh, I, I want to thank every single one of you for joining us today. Uh, it's an honor to be able to sit down and discuss the word of God with you. Uh, sure. If you have any questions about what we're talking about, or if you have anything you want to point out or you want to hear more of, uh, please feel free to send us a message. Uh, and if there's anything we can pray for you about, uh, please send us uh, those prayer requests. We want to pray with sure. you. Uh, we want to, to be with you. We want to uh, serve God by serving you. Uh, and uh, so just just feel free to reach out to us. But thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we, we love you. Uh, we want the best for you. And the best for you is a relationship with Jesus. Uh, so go out there uh, and live this next 168 hours for Jesus. And we will see you again 
next week. But let's go ahead and end in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for your word and for bringing us together through this. Uh, to I thank you so much for for the fact that you are not partial. You don't look at the rich and look at the poor because I, I'd be really counted out when it comes to the rich part. But Father, you see us as equal. Yes, You see us as a beautiful creation of your hands. Uh, so Father, help us to walk in that truth. Help us to present that truth to this lost and dying world. Yes, we thank sir. you so much for your love and for your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.